developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Friends, this is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today, visiting with us is Dr. Vandy Reimer, and today we're going to talk about dry eye. But first, let's learn a little bit about Dr. Reimer's great credentials here. Dr. Vandy Reimer graduated from Pacific University College of Optometry in 2003, and then she completed her residency training at Omni Eye Specialists in Ocular Disease refractive, and ocular surgery. She became board certified through the American Board of Optometry in September 2013. She's been an adjunct assistant clinical professor with Pacific University College of Optometry since 2007. In late 2014, she became the program coordinator and supervisor of Omni Eye Specialist Residency in Ocular Disease, Refractive, and Ocular Surgery. With widespread changes in leadership, the program has now become accredited through the Accreditation Council on Optometric Education, and that all happened in 2015. So she's been in charge and training residents for uh, almost eight, nine years here. She's had a couple great um, publications, including the Optometrist Role in Collaborative Care for Refractive Surgery and Evaluating the Visual Performance of an A-sphere contact lens um, article. So welcome, Dr. Reimer, to Vision Beyond Sight. Thank you, Dr. Lynn. It's a pleasure. That's great. Well, you know, on our show, we've had a variety of types of uh, eye doctors, as well as people talking about huge vision miracles. And today we're going to get down to some of the basics of eye care. And I'm especially interested in the topic of dry eye, because living in the wonderful dry state of Colorado, I personally experience it. And those of us who are optometrists know that, especially in states like Colorado, dry eye is a major uh, problem in many, many, many people. So let's get started and explain, I mean, it's obvious, but explain a little bit more about what is dry eye syndrome. Well, dry eye syndrome affects about on average, about 16 million people, uh, based on some of the dues reports, which was a report that came out that was a very in-depth um, studies, um, somewhere between 16.7 and 49 million people have dry eye in just the United States. And so it's, it's very pervasive, it's very common. Um, <clears throat> there are a lot of symptoms that folks can have, including stinging and burning, Um, Actually, tearing and watering can be a uh, symptom of dry eye. 
Uh, there's also some blurry vision or light sensitivity and even some itching. And so sometimes it can be confused uh, for allergies as well. But there's a lot of different, um, they call it multifactorial. There's a lot of different things that can cause dry eye. And um, a lot of those are computer screen use, um, not blinking as frequently, living in a very dry climate, lack of humidity. But there can also be a number of things such as your uh, glands don't produce enough tears um, or the eyelids themselves, they have these glands called meibomian glands that produce the oil component. And if those glands are kind of clogged as oil can become more solidified, then you don't have the lubricating component, which can lead to evaporation and irritation. Um, and then if your lids are not properly positioned against the globe of your eye, the I like to say the windshield wiper effect is not working properly. So it could be the mechanics of the lids are not properly uh, you know, blinking along that ocular surface. So there can be many different factors as well as um, you know, autoimmune conditions, age, and uh, females tend to be affected more than males and Asians are more affected uh, than Caucasians. So as you mentioned, there's many causes and etiologies for dry eye. Take us through the steps that a patient you know, would start figuring out what's going on because you and I know many patients are just uncomfortable, they live with it, they complain about it, they often run to the drugstore and buy, you know, artificial tears without knowing what's going on. So kind of take us through the steps of how a patient would um, finally get the help, and we'll talk about the treatment options in a little bit, but how would they get get the help in evaluating what is the cause um, of their dry eye? Well, I treat a number of patients. I would say, you know, a third of my patients on a daily basis have dry eye. And sometimes patients are completely asymptomatic. They may not know it. So they're there at their eye doctor's office and the doctor says, boy, your eyes look very dry. Do you realize this? And sometimes you just, patients have no sensation of it because their eyes have become desensitized due to, you know, severe dry eye over a long period of time. Uh, but typically, the patients will make an appointment for dry eye, and they come in and they say, my eyes are really red, they burn, um, it affects my ability to see the computer screen, they tend to be blurry, uh, sometimes they're sensitive to light, they want to rub their eyes to help, you know, squeeze that oil out, um, or their vision just fluctuates throughout the day. Worse in the afternoon, particularly with computer users, because uh, they don't blink enough. Um, or an interesting symptom is that their eyes are tearing and watering all the time. And, and so they don't understand that they actually have dry eye. It's these symptoms of tearing and watering. And that's, that's the body's way of combating the dryness by tearing and watering. But unfortunately, all that tearing just dilutes the lack of oil that's there or the lubricant. And so then that can cause this secondary effect where all this tearing and watering is diluting the few uh, oils that, that, that are there on the surface. So it perpetuates the problem. Uh, so they'll come in and they say, hey, doc, I got this issue. 
And then we kind of put them through a number of simple tests. Um, sometimes you can fill out a survey with symptoms, which can be helpful. Um, I look with the microscope in the examination room. I put in a dye uh, that stains any areas that are kind of chappy on the surface of the eye. I describe it like your skin on the on the top of your hands or just your skin in general. It becomes flaky um, when it's really dry. So you can see literally those flakes in the microscope, and they highlight really brightly when you put a fluorescein dye in and you use a uh, a blue light, and so you can identify it. I also have them blink and then hold their eyes open and count how many seconds until their tears start to evaporate or break down, and that's called the tear breakup time. And it should be, you know, in a perfect ideal setting, 10 seconds between blinks. But patients will often have an instantaneous tear evaporation, and that's when those tears start to break up and they start to feel that sting and burn, and then they want to blink. Um, to get that next layer of tears. And so those are some pretty easy things to test in the microscope. We also use a little paper strip called Shermer's uh, with a numbing drop. And that just uh, absorbs the amount of tears a patient will produce in a five-minute period of time. And we can use a scale to determine, you know, is their tear production reduced um, over this five-minute period of time, or is it normal? And so we can compare that to normative data and determine you either have an aqueous insufficiency or a production, which is the glands, and that's where they don't produce very many tears, or if their tears evaporate very rapidly, we know that there's a, an evaporative dry eye component where they don't have enough lubricant or oil to get, keep the eyes um, and the tears from evaporating quickly and keep the eyes comfortable between blinks. Right. And so that's how we kind of determine that. So for our listeners who've never really had the problem or never had a valuation, this is very non-invasive. Uh, it's not a, very right. uncomfortable. It's pretty easy to really take a look because I know a lot of people get exactly. concerned about going to the eye doc and what they might do. But this first part, which tells us a lot of information and, and already starts us thinking, uh, you know, in diagnostic terms, uh, is pretty easy to do and uh, not at all discomfort, uh, uncomfortable for our patients. Is that correct? That is correct. I mean, it's very simple. Uh, they're just put their chin on this little chin rest and we can look with a, with a microscope with, you know, bright light and magnification. And we can really get a sense as to how that surface of the eye looks and how the tears um, smear across the surface of the eye just by them sitting there and blinking their eyes. So it doesn't require that they're dilated. Um, it doesn't require sophisticated testing. Um, and it's not an uncomfortable um, situation where they come in and we take a look. And I just kind of gently press along the lid margin to see the oil glands, whether they spill the oil easily or if they're very uh, thick and compacted. I described the gland should spill like an olive oil consistency between blinks. But if it takes, you know, a little bit of extra pressure and it's more of a, you know, a room temperature butter consistency or even a toothpaste-like consistency, we know that that oil isn't going to spill out just naturally with a blink. And so we have to work on trying to liquefy that oil with a different different modalities. So 
Right. Well, and I want to go back just for a second on the impact. As much as it sounds like dry eye, you think like, oh, dry skin, I'll put on lotion and things. Dry eye can very much impact um, a person's life. You have mentioned, you know, like in computers, it can be so uncomfortable using computer, but it sometimes gets so bad. I've had patients, including family members, where the dry eye is so uncomfortable, it creates a lot of anxiety and blurred vision. And I remember one of my family relatives, I mean, she wouldn't leave the house for a while because it was just so dry, so uncomfortable. It created such stress for her. She wouldn't leave the house. And as simple as we are making it, it can be really uh, impact your life significantly, especially in a dry area or if you have some autoimmune diseases that you know can cause dryness in lots of different parts of the body. So I want to make sure yeah. the listeners know, you know, we're talking, you can simply start the diagnostic process, but the impact of dry eyes is very significant in, in your daily life. It absolutely can be. It can be very uncomfortable. Um, people say when they go outside, if the wind hits their eyes, it's very uncomfortable or they start tearing and watering immediately. Um, they can have it stinging and burning all day long. Uh, I've had patients come in, uh, you know, with with some symptoms of depression over their dry eye, like your family member maybe doesn't want to leave the house, or if their eyes are watering a lot or they're really red, people may assume that they're, you know, on some kind of <laughs> alcohol or some over the, you know, uh, people say, you know, I look like I'm I'm under some influence here, and it's just my eyes are red. But it can be very impactful to day to day activities. And some people come in with some depression symptoms because of the dry eye. Right, right. Thank you for that. So let's pick up. They've got it. You've done these, you know, tests and found some symptoms. Uh, take us to the next step. What do you do after you start, you know, this basic evaluation? You start picking up information. Yeah, I kind of ask him, you know, what are you doing right now? How are you managing it on your own? What have you, uh, are you using over-the-counter lubricating drops? Um, are you using, you know, get the red out type of eye drops? Uh, what is it that you're doing on a daily basis? And um, if they're doing absolutely nothing um, and they're just here to find out where to start, then oftentimes I'll start with some of the simple things. Um, start using some lubricating drops. There's a lot of different brands and products, but the lubricating drops, even if your eyes are tearing, they give you lubrication. They give you some of that oil to help replenish that oil component. Um, a night mask, um, basically heating up those oil glands to liquefy that solid oil that's in the lids. Um, I recommend what's called a brooder mask. And it's as simple as 20 seconds in the microwave with this mask, or you can get one of those beaded masks. Just make sure you don't heat it too hot that it scalds your skin. Um, but you can put that mask on for five to 10 minutes and then remove the mask and massage along the lids. And you will feel this gush of oil coming out of your eyelids, out of all of those meibomian glands. And doing that at night, right before you go to sleep, can be very helpful. Also, there's a lot of debris that can sort of build along our eyelashes. Nobody really tells us to clean our eyelids and our eyelashes, particularly um, men, because they're not removing makeup. Women remove makeup, hopefully, every night. But there can be some debris along the lids that can trap 
bacteria and it can also trap that oil. So also just cleaning your eyelids um, with a warm washcloth. I don't necessarily recommend a baby shampoo, but some people can use that. Um, there are some products that you can buy called Abinova or OcuSoft. They have some some um, antibacterial lid cleaning products that are excellent. And just doing some of those basic home remedies is oftentimes a good starting point. Also talking about hydration, drinking a lot of water, using a humidifier, particularly by your bed or by your desk. Um, also taking some vision breaks. There's this 20-20-20 rule that I'm sure you've heard, uh, Lynn, <laughs> where sure. you every 20 minutes you take a 20-second break and look 20 feet away and just kind of blink your eyes and let your eyes get off of your computer screen. Um, and that, you know, just doing some of these simple things can be effective. Um, and then, you know, we I check them back and see how they're doing just with some of the simple uh, treatments. And then we start delving into more uh, medication management, depending on what their condition is. You know, do they have evaporative dry eye or do they have a lack of production um, of tears and find out some of these underlying causes and lifestyle changes that can be made. And before we get into some of the more significant treatments, I just wanted to comment on that 2020-20. That all sounds great, but I don't know anybody who really ever does it well, if at all. And one of the things <laughs> I'll recommend for our computer users, they almost have to set an alarm because while while they're on the computer, they're often doing fine. It's when they're done. And then it's like, woof, they blink and they can't always see very well. And and so right. I have, yeah, so I often have them set an alarm, you know, 20, 30 minutes, just stop, take a break, and then look out, maybe put some drops in. Because uh, yeah. nobody, you know, nobody's thinking about 2020, especially like people who are great readers. And they're they're entrenched in their books, and then before you know it, an hour's gone by. But then when they're done, they really pay the consequence. Right. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. they have to be much more proactive <laughs> and set an alarm and and uh, do the prevention before they get such symptoms that they uh, you know can't manage them for a while. Right. They lose track of time. You know, you're very much um, immersed in what you're doing. You're concentrating. Your your eyes are, you know, you're staring. You're not blinking uh, appropriately. Uh, computer users have a very reduced blink rate. So they're just their eyes. And then those tears evaporate within a few seconds. Then they have no, you know, protective barrier there for the air just drying out that ocular surface. So computer users, and that has increased, the population of computer users has increased dramatically in the last 20 years. So I think that's part of the component as to why dry eye has increased so much over the last 20 years. And certainly <laughs> with the pandemic, uh, with the kids um, and everybody being on Zoom forever, I mean, have you seen an increase of people complaining about dry eyes over the last couple of years? Absolutely. And, and in particular, when we were still very much into wearing the masks, um, because the masks would blow the air up along their eyes as they would speak their, you know, they'd be expelling their breath and it would hit the mask and then it would go up and into their eyes. And so that was even more of a, you know, of a problem during that time frame when we were all wearing masks. I wore my mask for almost three years. And so I had the same issue 
where I could feel my eyes were more dry just with that mask on, but I felt it was, you know, obviously very important to protect myself and my patients. Um, but that was right. another component to that during the pandemic, particularly. Right. And before we move into, you know, the meds also, you had mentioned the importance of water. And I know that most people think they're drinking water, but they're not drinking nearly enough just for good health and, new, uh, you know, water support. You want to uh, comment a little bit more about the water and also any nutritional kinds of support that you might recommend? Yeah, just <clears throat> being dehydrated in general uh, can really cause dry mouth, dry eyes, um, you know, headaches, and uh, just fatigue in general, just not being hydrated. It affects your mucous membrane. You know, you need that water to help with your mouth and your eyes and your GI tract as well um, and all of those areas that need that hydration. Um, but we've also found that, you know, some of your omega-3 supplements can help with dry eye. And so there's um, fish oil is a, is a good component. You have to be mindful, though. There's a lot of different fish oil products. And I always tell my patients there's the active ingredient in the fish oil products is called D DHA, EPA, DHA. Um, and you want to look on the label and make sure that you're getting 2000 milligrams of that per day. Cause you could be popping these uh, fish oil supplements, but you're only getting say 300 uh, milligrams of that important active anti-inflammatory ingredient, but you so each product um, has different concentrations of that. So you may it may require one or two pills a day or six or eight, depending. So look for that EPA DHA and you should get 2,000 milligrams a day of that for dry eye. At a minimum. And also that can be measured with a um, finger brick, prick as well as blood tests. I know um, for years, mine have it's been measured and... Um, a lot of people are very, very low in that. And, and um, it's, you know, the fish oils are not important just for eyes. It's just for um, general health as well. And so uh, right. not, not many physicians measure that routinely. And I wish they would because uh, uh, that would give the patient a better idea. Are they taking enough? Do they need to take more? You know, what, how they should really help treat themselves on this. Yeah, you know, um, what is that blood test that you can run, that fingerprint prick? Well, some of the uh, companies actually have a little finger prick test to go along with that. Yeah. I don't remember the name of it, but when I do, I get, um, I go to a functional medicine doctor and we do a whole Cleveland heart battery and significant other testing. And my measurements on, on uh, oils like that are, are, I always have that. In fact, my, my doc always tells okay. me she's never seen a patient that has as good as numbers because I've been taking, <laughs> uh, you know, 4,000 for like, I don't know, 10 years. And so it's wow. something that's just part of the process of general health for me and for other patients. Uh, we're going to take a break here in just a minute and we'll come back and talk about more of the uh, medications and other treatments for dry eye with Dr. Vandy Reimer. So hang on, we'll be right back. Dr. Lynn will be right back after this.
Can your child see, really see, more than 2020? Does your child struggle in school, have trouble with tracking when reading, or resist writing? Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's award-winning book, See It, Say It, Do It, provides parents and teachers with specific tools and strategies in visualization and processing. Improve and empower your child's learning and performance in school, sports, and play. Get See It, Say It, Do It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Vision Beyond Sight will help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Join Dr. Lynn each week for a new exciting episode, Vision Beyond Sight. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's book, 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance, has identified the top 50 ways for you to achieve excellent results in any sport activity, enhance eye-mind-body coordination skills, achieve the mental edge, prevent injuries. This book belongs in every athlete's or coach's sports bag. Get 50 tips to improve your sports performance on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Hey, everybody. We've been talking with Dr. Vandy Reimer about dry eye, its causes, and we're just starting to talk about treatment. And those of you who don't have dry eye think it's like, yeah, no big deal. It truly is significant. Again, many, you know, maybe a quarter or a third of our patients end up being diagnosed with dry eye. Some of these patients are very symptomatic, uh, to the point of uh, avoiding tasks, avoiding reading, avoiding computers, avoiding going in windy areas. Um, and some patients, it's really no big deal, and you can easily pop a, a lubricant drop, and that's all it is. So let's continue on. Um, Dr. Reimers talked about some of the, the easy solutions for dry eye, and we're now moving into the more complicated situations when just those artificial tears uh, aren't doing the trick, then there's a lot of other courses of action that we as eye doctors might take. So, uh, Dr. Reimer, continue on to treatments. Yeah, so dry eye is not straightforward in many cases um, because it's it's really a puzzle piece. Why is this person dry? Um, again, it can be you know environmental factors such as living in a a very dry climate, such as uh, we live here in Denver, 
Um, but there can also be many other components to dry eye. There can be medications a patient is on. It can be um, a condition called Sjogren's syndrome, which is an autoimmune condition where um, their body attacks their glands that produce the, the tears. It also attacks the salivary glands in the mouth. Um, patients can have rheumatoid arthritis or lupus. There can also be um, just computer users in general. I What I'm looking for is, is it more of an evaporative component, meaning they don't have the proper uh, lubrication on the oils that secrete out of the eyelids, or is it because they have a lack of production of of the tears themselves. So that lack of production tends to be these autoimmune conditions, Sjogren syndrome. Uh, and so you have to kind of tease out which, which is the cause. And oftentimes it's a combination of both. And so depending on if it's the oil component, then we have to start looking at the eyelids and how compacted the glands are and start doing procedures or offering some treatment for that. The warm compress is a really great starting point. It's very inexpensive. It's something you can do at home. And doing that on a nightly basis or every couple of every other night, um, that's a good starting point. But then sometimes we need to do like a procedure. We have many options. Lipiflow is one that's very comfortable that we offer in our office where you you basically sit down in a comfortable uh, recliner chair. We put a numbing drop in. We put this very uh, simple device in the lids that warms up the lids. And then it just massages the oil completely out once the lids are at a certain temperature. So it basically unclogs all those glands so that you can have fresh new oil that's more liquefied, um, refill those glands so that it clears that compaction. And patients can feel fantastic. It usually only requires about 20 minutes, like an eye massage or eye spa, and it gives you relief for up to a year uh, with this procedure. I say you need to do a little bit of maintenance with those warm compresses a couple of times a week, but it's not like it's every single night. I have some patients that do the warm compresses multiple times a day that are very uncomfortable. So this procedure can certainly help clear those glands. There's also a procedure called intense pulse light that does the same thing. However, it also constricts these little tiny uh, blood vessels along the lid margins that we call telangiectasia. And those little tiny blood vessels can cause a lot of um, secondary inflammatory uh, problems with the eyelids and the inflammation that's there creates, you know, an uncomfortable inflammatory process with the dry eyes. So those are some uh, procedures. There's also medications that work on the inflammatory pathways, such as uh, restasis or Zydra, and those eye drops just require once in the morning and once at night. And so then it's not as burdensome uh, for patients as it helps reduce their need for artificial tears throughout the day. Um, there's, sometimes I'll even go with a steroid eye drop for a short period of time 
to just kind of combat that inflammatory response that they're having because their eyes are so severely dry. And we do that for a short course, two to four weeks. Um, and then we can go into more of the long-term therapy, such as the Zydra or Restasis. But sometimes one patient will respond to this better than another patient. So it's trial and error with every patient. You start down this road of what seems like would make the most sense based on the testing that we do and the ocular surface and the severity of their condition. Uh, right. So, and I was going to say yeah. a lot of patients, you know, want immediate relief and it's always a little confusing. Right. They come in, their eyes sting and dry, they're dry. And we're talking about working on their lids and they go, no, it's my, you know, eyes. And they don't always <laughs> right. understand the interaction. And the other thing is, uh, you know, a lot of times these patients have bought almost every eye drop you can find on the pharmacy shelf. And sure. you want to talk about, you know, you don't have to necessarily do name brands, but, you know, the kinds of lubricants that you like to put your patients on. And this may be in addition to all these other treatments that you're talking about. It could be the, in addition to the liver flow or, or um even with Zydra and Restasis, I know a lot of our patients think they put in a drop of Zydra or Restasis and they should feel better. And that's not how this drop works. You don't feel better immediately with these drops right. it's over time. So you want to explain a little bit more about the over-the-counter drops that they should or shouldn't be looking for uh, in addition to these other procedures you're talking about. Yeah, so I always try to steer people away from Visine because it is this wonderful anti-get-the-red-out, but what it does is it constricts those blood vessels, but then they rebound um, and they become larger blood vessels over time, and so their chronic red eye becomes worse and worse. They become much more reliant on that product, so I never recommend Visine, um, but if patients are using these artificial tears that are over the counter and they're putting them in, you know, every hour and they're using these preserved artificial tears that come in a bottle, the preservative itself can become an irritant and cause uh, irritation and redness and have a secondary reaction from the preservative. So I always tell patients, if you're putting in artificial tears more than four times a day, you need to go with the preservative-free artificial tears so that you don't have one more thing compounding their irritation uh, of the ocular surface. I like, um, there's a number of different ones. If they have this compacted oil glands, those meibomian glands, it's called meibomian gland uh, dysfunction. And there's a Retain MGD product that's a preservative-free that's geared more directly towards that patient population. It has some extra lubricating component to it. Um, I like the Sustain uh, preservative-free or even the Sustain Balance. And there's also some preservative-free medicine, uh, excuse me, preservative-free artificial tears that come in a special bottle that has a specific cap on it that helps prevent any air from going back into the bottle every time you dispense a drop out of that. So if they don't like the little vials everywhere and in their pockets, then there are a few uh, manufacturers such as Sustain and then there's a Refresh 
that also has that. That's preservative-free in a bottle. But I like patients to move towards that preservative-free uh, product because there's the, then they have the ability to use the drops as frequently as, as they feel the need. You could also go with thicker and thicker um, viscosity on these drops. So sometimes I'll put a drop in and they say, Doc, it just it doesn't do anything for me. So I say, well, let's try something a little bit with more lubricant to it. So there's a, a mild drops, there's moderate, and then there's more severe that you can go with an ointment. Um, but I'm also careful about the more viscosity in the drop, the thicker it is, but that can smear or blur the vision. So um, there's different products. There's like a, a refresh digital so my digital computer users can use that where it's got this excellent component of lubrication, but it, it clears pretty quickly. So you're not looking through this smear per se um, throughout the day if you're using those frequently. So there's, you know, I don't, I'm not super brand um, committed, but I am definitely preservative free uh, is my uh, one important message to my patients. Yeah, and thanks for all that. And I think it's very clear in what you've said that it is trial and error. Like there are certain brands that work better for patients and for one yes. patient, and that brand may not be that effective for another patient. So it's not about right or wrong at all. It's about your own personal, you know, body and system, and then trying to find a a drop that works the best for you. Um, is that correct? Absolutely. And that's what makes dry eye so kind of interesting but complicated is not every treatment works for every patient. And so it is trial and error, even with the simplest over-the-counter drops that can be a trial and error component. Right. Um, and then, the, like you mentioned, the Restasis or the Zydra medicine drops, they can take six weeks or more to have full effect. And so it's not like you can just start them on that and, you know, two weeks later they're you know, everything's cleared up and it's great. It's, this is a chronic condition and it takes sometimes a while for their symptoms to be uh, improved, even though we're doing, you know, multiple different management uh, modalities. Well, and that's so true. And, um, you know, I used to joke that I had an instant cure for patients with dry eye. I would just send them to Portland uh, because in Portland, <laughs> with more humidity, we didn't have near as, in fact, many patients will say, you know, I was on vacation in, in Portland or down south where there's yeah. a lot of humidity. And they go, my contacts were great. I had no dry eyes. What's the problem? You know? Right. Then they realize our climate is a big component of, of why they're so symptomatic here. I've had a uh, one lady, she was just such severe dry eyes. She was at this age of retirement. So she moved to Florida and that, that cured her problem. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so those are all factors. Is there any other, you know, any other treatment? I mean, rarely is lid surgery necessary. You want to just mention that, right. you know, when it is. Yeah, so the lids, if the lid is rolling inward, it's kind of shaping up against the globe of the eye, or if it's rolling outward, then the tears just drain down the cheek and they don't stay on the surface of the eye. There's also a condition called floppy eyelid syndrome, which sounds kind of just ridiculous, but I've had many patients that, you know, have severe dry eye symptoms, but it's because their eyelids are so loose and baggy. 
I describe it like their windshield wiper. It cannot squeegee off the old tears and it cannot smear on fresh new tears because the lids are just so loose and soft. So I send those patients to an eyelid oculoplastic surgeon that, that they're specialized in functional lid surgery to get those lids in the right position against the globe of the eye. But, you know, that's not too common, but it is something that, you know, we don't want to overlook. There's also, if, if patients don't have enough tears that they're producing, they have a very, very low volume of tears. You can put these little plugs into the tear drainage system, and that's oftentimes a very easy fix. They don't hurt at all. You just put them in. It takes two seconds. And then their tears drain off more slowly, so they have more volume on the surface of the eye. So long as they don't have a lot of debris and scurf along the lids and that you're not increasing this kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, a lot of bacteria on the surface of the eye. You don't want to do that. You want to clean up the eyes and make sure that their lids are clean before you do these plugs. But I found that they can be very effective. And some you can just put in as a test. They last about a, a week and they just dissolve. And then patients are a little bit more willing to go forward. They may not like the idea of it initially. So that's a nice little test. But sometimes a week isn't long enough to resolve their symptoms. There's 90-day plugs that dissolve very slowly. And then there's some that are uh, more permanent. People don't like that word permanent, but they're made of collagen, or excuse me, of silicone, but they can still be removed. So they just don't dissolve. And so there's just different types that can be very helpful. Um, and then sometimes I will even go with call, what's called autologous serum tears. So if they're not responding to any of the other medication modalities and they have severe dryness, Sometimes doing something that sounds very strange but is extremely effective is we draw blood, we spin out their red blood cells, and what's left is their serum, and then we dilute that serum with artificial tears that are preservative-free, and then we package them in these little bottles that they, they store in their freezer, and then they keep the one that they're actively using in the refrigerator, and they use it like artificial tears throughout the day. But there's so many proteins and so many lubricating components and uh, inflammatory, you know, modulators in our own serum that it can work amazingly well at managing dry eye when other modalities just uh, aren't doing it. So I have many patients that are on uh, autologous serum tears, and we do it right in our office. We have this um, fantastic technician that uh, she just draws the blood. She puts it on this, what's called a centrifuge. It spins out the red blood cells. And we just give them about a three to six month supply of, of artificial tear bottles full of their own serum that they take home and freeze. They can't share it with anybody else because obviously it's their blood, but it's a pretty uh, easy procedure to do. It's actually more cost effective than buying uh, over-the-counter artificial tears. Uh, so a lot of people uh, actually find tremendous relief with this. And so it's it's just one more thing in our, you know, options of treatment. Well, Dr. Reimer, thank you for really laying out such an extensive plan. As our listeners can see, dry eye can start simple and then become quite complex, both in its evaluation and its treatment. 
And one of the things that I'd like our our listeners to really know that sometimes your insurance may not cover all of our treatment options, especially some of the more expensive drops like Vidra and Restasis. And we get a number of patients who have insurance that won't cover it and find out these drops could be helpful and have to get another. They go outside of their you know, HMOs and go see a specialist in dry eye or another eye doctor to get a treatment that really could be helpful for them. So, so as I tell patients, whether it's dry eye or any illness, that you, know, you have to be astute. You have to you know, learn about your body. And if you're not getting the help you need with your medical providers at this time, you really need to search out medical providers that will help you. And I know it's very difficult, especially in these days with the insurance industry dictating what they will and won't cover for treatments. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share, Dr. Ryman? We just have another minute or so. Um, but anything about that or you know, just share your last few words before we wrap it up about dry eye? Yeah, you know, um, I would definitely, if you're having symptoms, bring it up with your uh, eye care professional. And there are some eye doctors that that treat dry eye on a more advanced level, that focus on it more, have more of the instruments in their office that can do it, uh, can do some of these additional procedures. So, you know, bring it up with your eye care professional. and um, And then sometimes they know who they can refer to for different procedures. We don't have all of the different procedures and equipment in our office. So I know who has some of those things that we may not offer. So we share among our, you know, in our industry. So make sure that if you're having these symptoms, don't give up with just uh, seeing uh, your primary care physician about this. Speak with your eye care practitioner and they can refer you on if needed to an additional uh, higher level of specialty care. Yeah, but I so agree with you as well. So, well, I thank you so much for your time and expertise. And I know uh, we've worked together for years and I appreciate all that you and Omni's provided and uh, just uh, a big thank you to you. And if anybody has questions, we'll have information about Omni and and you on our um, show notes. They're welcome to certainly uh, take a look. And and the key is ask questions and make sure you get the help you need. Well, it's an honor, and I, I really um, I feel thrilled, and, and uh, it's been great to, to have this time together, Lynn. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, and we'll see everybody uh, next week uh, for another episode. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye now. Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.